The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Angela Thurston of the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough. My husband and I are wired totally opposite when it comes to our sexuality. I'm kinky energetic and he's sexual. And because I was raised like many women, that it's all about the man's pleasure. And there was this one model for sexuality, which is not wrong or bad because we actually have that sexual blueprint, which is the basis of our culture, but there is so much more to sex than genitals and penetration. So after seeing Sex, Love and Goop, I reached out to the company Erotic Blueprint Breakthroughs, Ian and Jaya, Jaya who I studied many years ago and was referred to one of the coaches who's going to talk to us today about her and her husband's love life as well as sex life, how that's changed through the erotic blueprints. Angela Thorsten. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Angela Thurston from the Erotic Blueprints Breakthrough, which was recently seen on Sex, Love and Goop, and everyone is all over the place about their erotic blueprints now. And if you don't know about it, you will hear lots right now about that. But welcome. (laughs) Thank you, um, Tessa. It's great to be here. I'm so excited about this for so many personal reasons, as well as professional and this, I've been waiting for this interview. And, and Angela is a, one of the top trainers and executives at the Erotic Blueprint Breakthroughs, which has really become this really incredible place for people, including things like erotic freedom clubs and all kinds of new things happening with this incredible organization. I remember following Jaya when I did my thesis on sexuality and did my master's in consciousness and have been doing mindfulness sexuality coaching for years and have used have people like do the, their blueprint. And so this is so personally, professionally interesting to me, as well as for our listeners who are at this stage of life that maybe they have more time and we hope to really take this time in what we call act three to be in their bodies and their pleasures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so why don't we start with basics about Tell us about the erotic blueprints. Okay. So the erotic blueprints were created by Jaya um, and co-created by Ian, her partner. And there's five erotic blueprints. Um, We go through life with one real model in our culture of what sex is supposed to look like. And the blueprints show us that we're all wired differently when it comes to eroticism. So there's five blueprints and they all have superpowers and they all have shadow aspects. And the blueprints are energetic, sensual, kinky, um, shapeshifter. Did I say all five of them? Energetic, sensual, sexual. Sensory. um, Sensual. So energetic, sensual, sensual, sexual, sexual, kinky, kinky, and shapeshifter. shapeshifter. Thank you. Yeah, And they all have superpowers and shadows. So I, we won't be, I, I think we'll go into, people can find all of that information on the website. So I'd rather not spend a lot of time on defining each one. I think it's really, and also if you decide to see Sex, Love, and Goop, if you haven't, I definitely highly recommend it. 
So let's start with, first of all, your background. How got, what got you into this work? Because you're also at a stage of life where your kids are just about out of the nest and you've been with your husband for many years. And so I wonder from your own personal journey, if you'd like to take me there. I would love to. Um, I, my husband and I used to have this rock and sex life. And then we had children. And after we had children, I had absolutely no sex drive. And so I went on this path of discovery because it was really creating a lot of friction and um, disconnection in my relationship with my partner. And so I just started exploring. So I was exploring all kinds of things. I did a lot of somatic work first, and then I got into Tantra and Taoist practices and self-pleasuring. I studied with Betty Dodson. And, and so we would use these things, all these tricks and tips and tools from all these different practices. And they would have a little bit of sustainability, you know, we would, because we were in that exploration stage, but there was never any longevity to any change. So we just kept on having this, you know, this loop that we were stuck in. Right. And then I saw Jaya was actually at a Betty Dotson event and Jaya presented on the blueprints. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that makes so much sense. Like it explained so much to me why there had been no sustainability. So I just, I dove in, I took the coach training and, you know, did my own personal work. And that was in 2018. And it's just been this ongoing journey. And what made so much sense to me is that my husband and I are wired totally opposite when it comes to our sexuality. I'm kinky energetic and he's sexual. And because I was raised like many women that it's all about the man's pleasure. And there was this one model for sexuality, which is not wrong or bad because we actually have that sexual blueprint, which is the basis of our culture, but there is so much more to sex than genitals and penetration. So it totally has shifted and changed and opened up realms of discovery and pleasure for us. And don't, you, don't you think, though, that sexual that the sexual blueprint is, or maybe not always male? I know that, for example, Jaya defines herself as sexual, but isn't it part of it programming as well? And then, can we sh- can we change? I mean, this is a big question for me. I be- in my own life as well, and then when I work with clients as they a shapeshifter, for example, who maybe wants to appeal to all things, and isn't that part of the programming of a woman? And or and so how do you see that that blueprint being really like even you see on sex love and goop how one of the one of the couples that Jaya worked with at the end started realizing they could be a little more energetic and 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 kinky and and just be maybe just be open to the pleasure of each other is the key i just am curious since i've taken the test twice and kind of come out a little bit differently um if that's how that's work how how you see that Okay. I I think, so I don't think we can group things like all men are sexual and all women are sensual. I think we tend to think that in our culture. I think what happens is because we only have one model and, you know, we all got a sex education, whether that was healthy or unhealthy. So we only have this one model in our culture to learn from. So a lot of times we go through life thinking that's what brings us pleasure until we actually get into exploring what our blueprint is. 
So there's one aspect about taking the quiz, which is great because it gives you um, a mental conception of, wow, I'm not broken. Oh my God. Like people who find out they're energetic and feel without even being touched. It's like, it's just mind blowing to them that that's even a possibility. Um, So we have that where we're going in with our minds and we're asking, answering these questions in the quiz and we're basing it on what we think and what we know from our past experience. Exactly. But when you actually get into taking the erotic blueprint breakthrough course, or you work with a coach to take you through the whole exploration of this journey, it is so somatically based. And so once you start going into your body and actually discovering what your body responds to, that's where um, the gold is. That's where we're really learning that we can, we can learn, we can grow, and we can expand. I think something, um, Tessa, that's really important is first understanding and determining what your blueprint is from that somatic perspective, because you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And then it's actually learning how to feed it. How do you feed yourself? How do you have that relationship with yourself and your body? How do you, what words turn you on? Like, how do you speak your blueprint? How do you speak your partner's blueprint? And then learning how to feed your partner and teaching your partner how to feed you. And then once, right, once we've said, then we can go into that place of expanding into the other blueprints because it's a whole smorgasbord. So beautifully said. I mean, that's why I said, I think there are people who are shapeshifters. I actually think I am mostly a shapeshifter because I love and have explored sexuality all of my life in the last 10 years in particular in such a somatic way. And I've noticed such my ability to also be in different states of, of mind that I enjoy or going through the wave of sometimes being an energetic and sensual and sometimes really enjoying the sexuality and the kink and my own kind of kink that I define for myself, as well as listening to my husband's fantasies and needs so that I want to see the pleasure from him too. So seeing that we're on, we're also are two different erotic blueprints and he was kinky and sexual and I was energetic and sensual as a, as a rule. And so I wonder with you, with your husband, how, how you, what are some of the ways that you work with that with a couple? Oh, well, first it was um, getting Robert to understand first when I needed to understand, right. I had no idea I could have these amazing orgasms, full body without being touched. And so be learning for myself with my own pleasure practice and then just having experiences with him so that he could learn how to touch me and bring me pleasure in, in new ways. And, you know, many times for someone who's not an energetic, it's hard for them to understand. Like they can think you're faking it and how can your body be moving like that? You're not even being touched. Like there's a lot of confusion for them. Yes. So it's just setting up different um, explorations to play with all the different tools for those particular blueprints. And then, so, and something that really helped me, because I think something that's really important is that the blueprints aren't isolated to the bedroom. And that was something that really helped us Um, with Robert being sexual, you know, it's about grabbing my bum or my boob or, and that doesn't do it for me, but if I, I don't know what my parameters on words are here. No um, parameters. <laughs> okay. 
chaos. <laughs> so if he's in the kitchen and I walk up and I grab his cock and, you know, massage it a little, that totally turns him on. So it's learning things like if I'm doing the dishes for him to come stand behind me, but not touch me and just hover his lips like oh, an breathe on your neck. Off, I know yeah. my neck. And then it's just like, Ooh, right. So it's, yeah. And so how do you bring those into your everyday life? Not just when you're in the bedroom. With oh, each other. Perfect. So, so the, the honest also part of it, the, so I'm, we're polyamorous. And so I believe that part of that is because of those needs that I wanted with someone who really wanted to spend the time and attention with my energetic uh, but and I do wonder in a, in a in a relationship that if you are monogamous, how you're treating that because it's hard to keep that new relationship energy so alive. But I and I love what you've said about it happens in these little ways as well. I mean, how do you kind of reboot each other at this stage of life to have the desire, the charge for that? I I'm going to keep on going back to the discovering your blueprint. I. I, it is such a foundation and there are so many people in our world who have lost that loving feeling um, because they have never tapped into what really turns them on. So I think to keep it fresh and keep that connection, it's about being in discovery and play and learning, you know, and, and being okay when things don't work out. Right. So I think that's, with the blueprints, you can really set up a lot of different, we call them sexy sex labs, where you there's a whole protocol of how to do it, but you're going in with no attachment. It's all just about learning. So nobody's wrong or bad or not doing something right. It's about learning. Um, let's play, like, let's just say, let's do an energetic touch, for instance. So you're going to have 15 minutes where your partner is going to play on your body with various energetic touches, right? And you set the time. So there's a container around it. You have a consent conversation, you know, can your partner touch your genitals during that time? Or is it just other parts of your body? And then after you go back, what worked? What didn't? What do I want more of? And what do I not want to do again? So just being open-minded and not taking things personally. I think so often in relationships, um, because we don't know how to touch ourselves. So how can we teach our partners to touch us? So if our partner's touching us in a way that isn't um, pleasurable to us and we say, please don't do that. Or can you slow that down? Our par- Oftentimes the partner can have their feelings hurt. So by having this foundation of the blueprints, it opens up tools for clearer communication so people aren't taking things as personally, and then there's more growth and exploration that can happen. And then the surprise can happen. I mean, I'm not against the fact that obviously the way monogamy can work. I still do believe that there's got to be some level of real motivation, that we're going to have a conscious way into our relationship that's going to continue to to evaluate and be, you know, and have have explicit conversation about wanting to give each other more love of what each other wants at this stage of life, that that has to be the first commitment before obviously no one's going to do the erotic blueprints until they're both motivated. And yet probably one partner leaves the other. I mean, how do you usually see that happening? What's some of the ways that that can happen for us at this stage to 
enter this world? Yeah, I I know for myself, I have mostly vulva-bodied clients because it's typically women who come forward to say something's got to shift, right? Because to particularly in a relationship where one partner sexual, a sexual needs sex to relax. Where the other blueprints, like essential, essential needs like the massage and the bath to relax, to be able to have sex, right? So I think you're totally right, Tessa, in that it's got to be an agreement of both parties to what's more to this. And instead of settling that this is your lot in life and long-term marriage has to be miserable or this is the pattern that happens, you have to want to keep it fresh. The, so, so when people come in, if a woman comes in and then her husband's not quite ready, how, how do you deal with that? Oh, I just work with the woman. And because it only takes one partner in the relationship to create change. It does. It, it created it, it. And then, and then the idea is that my change may not really work for you, but I'll have to be as conscious and kind about it as I can. That's- yeah. And also speaking, instead of waiting for your partner to ask you what you need, it's being clear on, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's coming up for me. And this is what I need. Is this something that you can do? And if and then having that conversation to come to a place where there's an agreement of, of meeting each other, not compromising, but being able to meet each other where you're at to support where someone is on their path. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense for me also, because I do feel like I and the people that I've known that are open-minded, open and erotic, non-judgmental and open to what's possible for their erotic lives, they are hopefully experimenting in person. But we know that people are pretty suppressed in this area. So I was going to ask you about, and I'm so glad for Sex, Love and Goop for that reason. And I was going to ask you about why you think being sexual at our age is even vital. Because, how you know, so many people that will say to you, well, I have a loving, wonderful partnership and I don't need to have an erotic life that way. I mean, for me, eroticism is loving your creative life in a bigger way too. having it. The eros is creativity and spirit. And, and for me, a lot of sacredness of the way I operate and dance in my conscious world. And yet, how do you feel like you respond or you, know, you don't even have those people enter the erotic loop in conversation? But well, what would you say to the people out there that don't even want to consider their erotic, the word erotic life, you know, out there? Well, um, to me, it's um, cultivating our life force energy. And I think it all depends on how somebody wants to age. How do you want to mature and grow through this life? Like we can stay with what culture says happen, right? I've had clients tell me they went to the doctor because they lost their sex drive. And the doctor said, well, that's okay. It's net normal at your age and you have kids. I've heard this. I know. How blows your mind, right? <laughs> right. And so what about, I think one of the big thing is there's a big gap in our culture in the aspect of pleasure, right? It's not just about having sex to procreate or having sex to please your partner. It's about that pleasure and cultivating that sexual energy so that we have energy and stamina. Like you're releasing all kinds of endorphins and hormones when you're 
in relation with yourself or with a partner. When you have orgasms, you're having that chemical download into your system and it just helps you, I feel, feel better as you're moving through life. Like you have more joy, you're more fluid, you're more expressive. It cultivates creativity and connection and it just feels so fucking good. <laughs> and, and we can do it for ourselves. Women, I mean, and that's the thing is, is I feel like at least to be starting, like you said, with your own self-touch and eroticism, because if you think about that, the way we fell in love and that all of a sudden colors were more vibrant, I mean, it may not have the same complete addictive feeling, but it also has a feeling like I am actually in my body and I can create this energy orgasm, which I do for myself often and I and I and and it, it actually is not just a physical release, but it it opens my heart and opens my spirit. Yes. And so that that that's that um spiritual component too I'd love to talk to you about for a minute because I think other than the physical, and I do wonder if you believe this, do you think that as we become more evolved humans that have more spirituality in us, that it's not quite as phys- maybe you're not as sexual, maybe you want will be more energetic. I mean, this is just a supposition. Like, I just feel like as we evolve to say that there's these other energy forces and we're more sensitive to them, that nuance, and we're more sensitive to the to what's around us from an energy field, is it possible that people actually become more energetic? I'm just as a supposition. <laughs> I, I think that people can become energetic. I Ultimately, um, Jaya always says that, she believes we're all shapeshifters and that there's just aspects of us that have become suppressed because of society and religion and culture. So I do think that we all have access to all those places. I don't necessarily think that we move from being more genital or sexual focused to energetic focused. I think, like, I think so something that's really important is learning what our blueprint is is actually just the starting place because it shows us where our limitations are. So once we learn how to feed ourselves, how to teach our partners to feed us by not opening up and expanding into exploring the territory of the other blueprints, we're really limiting ourselves into the kinds of pleasure and the amount of pleasure that we can experience. It's almost like when we talk, you talk to someone else about a new pleasure, you've never had a new food. I mean, from my point of view, I'm, I am a shapeshifter. I'm definitely, I love the exploration of all of the kinds of sexuality. And, and it is interesting. I do think all of us are. Although I know that, I mean, even Jaya defined herself as only a sexual and energetic. and But that's such a big spectrum. And then if you want to play and have fun with kink, People just do it. It's so we all have that fun because kink can be just outdoor sex, which for me is my kink, like the exhibitionist. It doesn't have to be BDSM. No, so, I'm glad you said that, Tessa, because kink, the kinky blueprint is actually what's taboo to you. It can be, like you said, outdoor sex. It could be having sex with the light on. But, <laughs> what's what's can, taboo, right? What's taboo to you? Exactly. What's taboo to you? <laughs> and it can be the whole wide world of BDSM, right? So what is taboo to you? That's so true. So I do, I do think that we are all, all of those things. And I think, um, I think the more we expand like a language or like, or like, uh, like food or all of a sudden when we, when we truly let our bodies feel a new way, 
there's that we expand who we are. And that's what I loved about the erotic blueprints as a, as a whole, because they do offer that expansion. And so, so what are some of your favorite stories about people our age and the, and kind of the, the changes they've been able to make in their, in their relationships or in their lives? Are there any of those kind of stories you can point to about that? Yeah. Uh, I just, the, the wonderment, like when um, people our age discover new things about themselves. Like they've lived their whole lives and they're 50 or 60. And all of a sudden they discover this new way of being touched or that they're kinky, like the delight and the joy and the excitement in all of them. It's like priceless to, because it just gives them this new surge in their life. Um, I can speak for myself personally that um, when I did the quiz and every time I take it, it always comes up as kinky energetic. And I had a lot of energetic shadow. So, and I have a lot of sensual shadow, even though sensual is not my primary blueprint. Um, And so this is really important for people because it's one thing to go out and discover that you have the access to all this pleasure, but then we have to look at what's keeping the break on. Right. So part of my discovery and going into the blueprints was I had my foot on the brake when it came to my sensual shadow. Like I was in my mind. So orgasms were very elusive. Everything needed to be tidy. The music, if the music was one decibel too loud, it would take me out of my pleasure. So learning how to heal that part of myself. And then with the energetic, like I would short circuit, I would disassociate. And so learning how to be touched, right? Because if you're touched too fast and in a spot that you're not ready to be touched, an energetic can totally just fly out of their bodies and they're totally out of pleasure. They're not present at all. So learning for me how to navigate and heal those aspects of myself had to happen before I could move into discovering how kinky I really am, which has just been a, a newly, a new discovery for me within the last year and a half, right? The, the kinky part. Yeah. And how much pleasure I get from that. If you like this episode, you will also love other episodes on our website under the listen tab. Scroll down to our sex, love, and alternative lifestyles category. Tell me about the Erotic Freedom Club. Everybody who signs up for the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough course gets access to Erotic Freedom Club. It's actually the only way to get access in. So then the foundation of the community, there's a commonality in the languaging, the blueprints and discovery and going through the course and the modules. And so it offers a place of support for where you are in your journey. It's um, We have all kinds of our erotic blueprint coaches in there who also help to support. And so it is a place where we get to witness other people in their eroticism. And uh, because we have community agreements, we're very um, good at creating a container of to have a safer space for people to come forward and explore and just be who they are. 
So I think for individuals who are in there where so many of these things are new, it allows them the opportunity to be present with what appears for them and what they might have as judgments or preconceived notions of other people and where they are in their exploration of their sexuality. So I asked you about poly and mono just for as an example. Yeah. So how does that work that people, if they feel threatened, they have the language to use to say, you know what, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable or jealousy is natural because I feel it could be some flirting that you have a more energetic connection with that one. And that's not good for me, but it's about like knowing how to have that communication for a couple, for example, and how, so how does that actually work? Cause I, I just think that those lessons can be used in the world for other kinds of unlabeling. I haven't really seen any posts of that nature because people don't really flirt. Like we have a real consent based culture in erotic freedom club. So we can use this as a hypothetical. So if that would be what somebody could say is I'm noticing myself having feelings of jealousy or uncertainty because I really don't understand the world of polyamory or non-monogamous relationships. And then that person who's posting it can say, I, I'm not asking for advice. I'm not asking for support. I'm just asking to be witnessed. So only emojis, please. Or they could put that post and say, I am having real feelings of jealousy or confusion coming up. I'm really open to other folks in the community who do have um, thriving polyamorous relationships. Can you please share with me what were some of the tools you use to navigate your jealousy? So it's a very consent-based culture. That is exactly what I wanted to get to is the consent. So I think it's, it's, you know, I think it's such a great awareness in the millennial generation and what we are, I'm learning from, from younger people in this regard. And so I do think us knowing ourselves helps us know how to set our boundaries. I mean, that's, that's our belief and that's how most of us as coaches operate and teaching that. So I guess what I'm, what I'm wondering is, I mean, I actually still have in my own way, some of how I can break some of my own programming, like, well, what happened to spontaneity? And what happened to flirting? Like if I'm in a community, so if somebody isn't energetic, I don't have to flirt overtly, but I would want to, you know, it's like, you can't help if there's a connection and it's in the air. And so I still do believe that sometimes that there are so many nuanced things that don't come always from consent. Nothing is exact. Nothing is black and white and nothing is perfect. So we all have to be willing to take the risk to really show our hearts and what's hurting us. And that's always where we need the safety and the consent. I mean, the safety, like, you know, there's this new technique I just learned called havening about giving people safety. It's a kind of like EFT, but a gentler version of it about how we hold ourselves havening. Like mm-hmm. how, and we, you know, we to starting with ourselves are some of the tools that that we need to do for, for the kind of living that is being called upon if we're going to have a more uh, accepting world. Yes. That's not so divisive with 
label like like you are wrong you are making me because it's all about what our shadow that's denied and so the erotic blueprint as you discussed before kind of helps to bring the shadow into the light or just to show to show us where where that awareness is so that we can we can check ourselves with awareness yeah exactly and be um self-responsible so, so where are some of the obstacles? What are some of the, the obstacles that you do see for people being able to grow with the, these blueprints or anything that you see at this stage of life that seems to be difficult for people? Mm. Well, under our lens, under the blueprint lens, um, I, I look at two different areas. And in the course, we talk about this. Um, we look at the different stages and states of sexuality because that will determine a lot of how you are exploring your sexuality, right? There's resting, healing, curious, um, transformational, and adventurous. So it depends on where we are in our state or state in relation to our blueprint. And it, we also look at the four obstacles or pathways to pleasure, So we're looking at the bioenergetic, we're looking at the biochemical, we're looking at the emotional, we're looking at the physical and all the things that fall underneath those four pillars as to what um, could be stopping you or blocking you or preventing you from living um, the life, a life of pleasure. So it sounds like it is a trauma informed, uh, you know, understanding. And so I do, I do wonder how that, how people can, you know, that, that is some of the area of, I, I believe that, that consent, that idea that, that we are looking at where our obstacles with, with openness to looking at our trauma. Yeah. Um, And we're as blueprint coaches are not trauma therapists. Um, We have trauma awareness, but we really, if somebody has a lot of trauma, we do recommend that they do see a trauma therapist to assist them with that. Okay. So that, that's an important distinction. Yeah. It is. We aren't trauma therapists. No. So, right. right. But that, that is an area. Um, I think so many, because I think things have changed so much in the last 10 years. Um, I think there's so many things that happened to us throughout our lives that have impacted us, but because we were raised with those being normal behaviors like the inappropriate hug from your uncle or, you know, those little nuance things that, you know, your mom, Oh, just hug him. Right. (laughs) And so we're so much more aware of that, but those things have an impact on how we sexually express in our lives and how comfortable we are in our sexuality. So I I really do think it's a journey. I think people aren't going to go, from zero to 90 very quickly, unless you're a sexual, then they go from zero to 90 like that. But I, I think it is just being on the journey. Like I look at it with my husband, like we've been married for 23 years, but it's like, we're on our fifth marriage in that 25 years. It's right. Beautiful. So it's, it's about where and how willing are we to look at ourselves and body image, which I, I'm so happy when my daughter went to college to have seen so many sex positive things starting and for people to realize that who they are is something to be embraced. And I always teach women that if they just get to a naked beach and they realize the sizes of 
and 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 the acceptance of our bodies and spending time naked outdoors there's so much to be gained just by being able to pleasure from the feeling and the senses around us that our bodies are are what they are and and there's and we have just been you know in this crazy society that's why you said of all the bodies and the media what it's done to us as well so yeah. and that it doesn't matter what size or shape or what your orientation is or what your sexual preference is birth pleasure is your birthright you do not have to have a perfect body to wait to have pleasure you get to have it now if you choose you just have to make the choice and you can do it in baby baby steps right i know it can appear to be this big huge scary thing but the journey is an endless journey there's always going to be something new to explore. And if you could just every day have 1% more pleasure in your life, wow, what a different world we'd have. And the pleasure can be the, the smallest thing. You know, it doesn't have to be a masturbation and orgasm. Like we have so many misconceptions of as if sexual, as if pleasure is not just eating a date with sensuality in your mouth like and, and, and having the juices just let you start informing your body and how it feels. We just aren't spending time in our senses in a mindful way. And that's the consciousness. Bringing the consciousness to these erotic blueprints is, is also just such a, a beautiful aspect of them. And so I'm, that's why I'm so happy to be having this conversation. So the last part of it is about kids. Like how do the kids see you as the sexual mama? <laughs> sexual oh. teacher mama how's that going <laughs> <laughs> well um at first they used to tell their friends i was a yoga teacher because they really didn't know how to explain it um they very much relate they, they'll make jokes like their friends will be they'll be like have you ever seen that show sex education on netflix <laughs> have you seen it i haven't seen it. oh yes 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 i did see a few a few a few a few episodes not more than that yes so that's what they refer have you ever seen that show? That's my life. <laughs> That's what my kids used to say too. Something like yeah. that about either sex education or about, or they'd really make fun of what was the uh, parenthood movie with Barbara Streisand and Dustin. Uh, oh, that's hilarious. Meet oh, the Fockers. Meet the Fockers. My mom's like that. Meet the, like Barbara Streisand. She's like, yeah. meet, like they would, they would try to make light of it as they got older. And yet there's, you know, like the idea of, look, I came out to each of my kids as a, as a poly woman and, and, they are such open-minded people and we have such a loving, deep relationship. Very last question. And again, back to kids though, is how's that going with you as facing this open nester stage? It's, it's good. Like I'm, you know, I'm pretty open. My I, I probably can, I have a tendency probably to share too much, but my kids are really great at telling me when they've had enough but I think the gift for me in being a sexuality coach and being in the sex positive community with like-minded people has really assisted me in educating my children and pleasure, that there's no shame in masturbation. Yes, we have the STI and the safe sex conversations, but focusing on pleasure is a really big part of it. And so I, they, when they feel comfortable or when they have other questions or they want to ask, they, they do come and we can have some really, really deep, inspiring conversations, which feels really great. 
they just don't want me talking about it all the time. And sometimes I just get so excited, right? So I do have to be mindful. And they tell you, which is good. That's and the relationship. Know. That's an honest relationship. Exactly. And how are you feeling about, I mean, are you are you dreading any of when they're leaving? And that's why I kind of call it, instead of it being empty, we continue to be um, open. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that. I'm not dreading it. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I had one move out and move back in. So I was like a half a nester. Now I'm back to being a full nester. Yeah. And, and, and I feel good because we can support them with where they're at. But no, I'm I'm not dreading it at all. I just, I think it's an opportunity. I think it's really important for human beings to continue to cultivate themselves. Um, I know for myself, part of me losing the connection to myself and my sexuality is because I actually lost my relationship with me, Angela, the human, and what my needs were and what did I need to love me because I became the mother and the wife. And I think that had a lot to do with me getting lost and not having any desire. And the more that I ignite forgotten parts of myself and remember who I am and that connection to myself, the more open and loving and connected I feel. So I, I really think that it's so important. I know that many mothers, particularly, it's exhausting having new babies and it takes so much. But the gift is, is that you cannot give from an empty cup. And so all through, not when you become an open nester or an empty nester, but filling that cup all the way along just is going to create more joy in the whole dynamic of your family. Fabulous. And just so I'm clear to you is that the open nesters is not just about being open sexually, but the idea that our son is actually back in our house and we're open to the fluidity of life without it being a binary. It's not about empty or full. For us, it's about continuously being open. So I do, I'm excited because I feel from you that you have that open heartedness, the way you're giving that. And how can people reach you? And how can we know more about what we need to do next if people want more information? Okay. Um, well, my website is AngelaThurston.com. It hasn't been updated in a really long time. So there's actually nothing about the blueprints on there. Um, I do believe there's a link for them to take the quiz. Um, do you, will that be posted? Oh yeah, I'll be, it'll be posted. It'll be our notes. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so if they, you just go to erotic blueprints, erotic blueprints breakthrough, it'll just pop up the quiz right it, away. Yeah. It's, it's getting so much attention that you yeah. can find it with ease. With ease. It is. Yeah. But the link I gave you, Tessa, is actually an affiliate link. So, right. so that's yeah. your coaching link as a, and, and well, it would take you to the quiz, but if anybody ended up enrolling in the erotic blueprint breakthrough course or anything, then being a coach, I have an affiliate. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Right? Yeah. Or they can go straight to the blueprintbreakthrough.com and get the quiz link there as well. So, okay. So you'll give us a link to yours. Yeah. To your particular area that if they want to enroll. Yeah. Okay. So, I, and is there anything else that you'd like to leave for the last words of our afternoon together? Um, just lots of gratitude. I love that you're bringing this to the world. And I just think that there cannot be enough conversations because I think what happens is when we have more open conversations, it allows people to feel and drop into that this is happening without shame and that it's sex is good. Eroticism is good. 
and there are ways to heal our shame around it. Amen to that. And I thank you so much for your time today, Angela. Mm, Thank you so much, Tessa. Before we summarize this uh, wonderful episode, here is a preview of our next week's episode with the laughter guru, Joyce Saltman. I have friends who have not had sexual relations with their partners for 30 years. And these are married people. They are monogamous people. They have not had sex. And I've also spoken to many people who say, you know, I'm just not good at it anymore. Not, not good at it. It's what the concept makes me crazy. I mean, if you stop talking because you're not good at it, you stop eating because you're not good at it. It seems to me that having sex is such a marvelously intimate way of communicating with each other that to not have it at all, I I find a little depressing. Amir, I don't know if you remember years ago, I took the erotic blueprints and I think I was a sensual then. although, Although there were two levels, I think I was sensual and energetic. Back then they gave you that. And over the number of past few years, I've been coming out to be a shapeshifter. And I think the, 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 the variety of what's interesting to me is all in that for us to explore more of that. And we actually did this past weekend and we're hoping to go away and do more exploration of, of the things that bring us more awareness for our own bodies and pleasures. And so that enhances our connection. And we found that over our exploration. I absolutely agree. And I think that discovering your blueprint, it, the name of it, blueprint, is really go down to the roots and how you are wired and how you are being planned. If you look at it from a building blueprint, it is the same thing. Understanding what kind of sexual emotion can actually trigger you mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so it's a discovery would never arrive and you know the idea that sometimes we want it to be spontaneous and and flirty i mean all of that is 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 also good just for us to explore our boundaries with as we do more than monogamous couples opening to new people in our lives and even if it's just for flirt like it, right. it, you know, it, it, and we when you hit up your boundaries, one of our interviewers said, Reed and Allison, when actually you run up at them is when sometimes you realize that you grow stronger because you then discuss them again. Tessa and Open Nestor couple should consider really exploring their erotic blueprints for better communication, for better understanding what turns each other on. Especially if they desire desire that, and and relationships can be enriched in so many ways. Uh, so I, I also am so happy to again announce that we got this great goods goods pods good pods ranking for top hundred yeah. podcasts and eighteenth in relationships. So there are a lot of other kinds of ways we can enhance communication, and if you look through our episodes, you will find so many ways to do that. And Tessa, what's the website that they can go and do the, uh, actually the quiz? Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough, and you can find it uh, in our in our notes on our website as well. Fantastic. If you're already going to our website, it is theopennesters.com, double N in the middle, S at the end. That's The Open Nesters. Leave us a comment. Check out the resource page. And also, Stessa, we have a Facebook page. We have a closed Facebook group that we have great discussions on about this kind of thing. We'd love to hear from you. We're also on Instagram and Facebook 
and you can find us in different places. We'd love you to share episodes with your friends because you're the ones making this this podcast grow, and we so value that, our listeners. Yes, we want to thank you for being such a loyal listener. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we'll see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.